Hello and welcome to the Euractive Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foot, And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractive's Agri-Food News Team. This week, pushback on natural restoration, Polish Commissioner and the Soil Health Law. So I was going to say welcome back to another podcast, but Gerardo told me it was very boring because we always say this. So I guess not welcome back. <laughs> no, no, we just uh, say something like hi. Okay. Uh, hi. hi. Hi, everyone. Hi to yeah. our listeners. <laughs> U- using uh, the deepest voice we can. Hi. Hi. Better? Happy? Yeah, definitely okay, better. So let's dive into the agri news. What's going on? Also this week? because yeah, also because uh, as you might have heard, uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, we should start probably chronologically because there start was at the, the very beginning. Yeah, a very good place to start. The beginning. Exactly. It, it, by the way, last week in in Belgium, uh, there was also it was also holiday, so it was even a shorter, a short mm. week. It was uh, compact. With, There's a lot going on. Yeah. Short space time. Indeed, indeed. And uh, on Tuesday, there was the monthly gathering of the EU agriculture ministers in Brussels, mm-hmm. uh, which were, let's say, I mean, all the attention was on this crisis reserve fund, which now is called Agriculture Fund, to be fair. Agriculture Reserve, uh, which we've... Uh, discovered uh, over the past few months. Mm. Um, this crisis refer- reserve is basically a fund in- included in the common agricultural policy, our common agricultural policy. And it can be our, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, which of course can be used to finance exceptional measures to, uh, for instance, to counterattack market disruptions. Uh, uh, it's a bit like, you know, th- th- there's also this, Common market organization in uh, in the common agricultural policy, the CMO, the safety net uh, mm-hmm. from uh, you know this, this kind of market disruption, and there was this there's this additional fund. So it's the uh, safety net for the safety net, is what you're saying. Yeah, basically yes. It's also basically, interesting they had to rename it from the crisis reserve because there's just so many constant crises. It's like not really a crisis anymore. It's just it's just it's just every day. It's just what's happening, constant. And. This year, we, I mean, the EU has already used uh, 200 million of the 450 million available uh, just for 2023. So basically, we're halfway there are... through, and we're halfway through the reserve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's 250 million left. Uh, so they have to be used. I mean, they don't have to be used because if they don't use it, uh, they will be push back to the year, the, the, the next year, basically. Hmm. Um, but there was a bit of criticism uh, on how part of this uh, initial 20, uh, 200 million have been used, uh, not not on how they've been used, but how, how they've been uh, dispersed and allocated, because you remember that a package of uh, 100 million uh, was uh, was firstly devoted to these five frontline countries uh, neighboring Ukraine uh, to, let's say, cope with the market disruptions um, coming from uh, coming from the imports from Ukraine uh, after a trade liberalization scheme because of the war. 
and uh, th there was a lot of criticism because of uh, mostly because of the lack of transparency um there's a coalition of countries actually 13 member states uh who slammed the executive for having adopted such measure without consulting the member states and also even the allocation is it was a bit blurred like it was decided in uh, just a bunch of days uh so there That's was a couple a, of days it was mm, rapid really rapid this time around very rapid and also there was a of course, accusation of favoritism because uh, also because most of the of the of this money went to Poland, which is actually the the member states where the Polish Commission, the Agriculture Commission, is coming from. So uh, there was they said this criticism, and the commissioner announced on Tuesday that they planning to put together another support package by June uh, for farmers affected by different type of types of crisis. He's, he's referring mostly to what happened, for instance, in Italy, in France, and in Spain uh, because of drought. But uh, it, it's basically, uh, he said that this money will go to the other 22 member states, which means like, you know, as a way to cool down uh, the criticism uh, for the allocation of the the previous package. Hmm. At the same time, there was another controversial take from uh, the Polish commissioner again. There's a bit of um, a debate in Brussels about whether um, Janusz Wojciechowski, the agriculture commissioner, is doing the interest of the sector or of his home country. Ooh. Ooh. because uh, I mean you just look at his Twitter um, and uh, you need at least a B1 in Polish to understand what he's saying it's true, <laughs> it's true. also because of a lot of his engagements and stuff have been Polish focused yeah all of his outputs in Polish like there's a clear decision there I would yeah. say relocation of his interest let's say mm. um and uh, this is again it's, it's a bit of a follow-up on the the previous topic uh which is um of course you remember that uh, these five frontline countries some of them actually romania just threatened but they didn't put it into force they uh, adopted unilateral bans of all agriculture imports uh, there was a political deal between the commission, uh, the trade commissioner Valdis Dombrovskis, and the uh, ministers of these countries. They replaced this unilateral ban with some restricted EU ban on certain products. Uh, these products being uh, um, wheat, uh, maize, uh, rapeseed, sunflower seed, originating from uh, in uh, in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a temporary EU ban. It was supposed to last for, it is supposed to last for one month until actually today, uh, the 5th of June. Uh, the commissioner, the Polish commissioner, uh, expressed his view to extend at least to October, but ideally to the end of the year, 
these trade restrictions on these four agricultural products from Ukraine, uh, for, uh, as I said, these five frontline countries, Bulgaria, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia, which is something that is not, uh, it wasn't welcome for sure by the Ukraine uh, minister, uh, Mikola Solsky, who was there at the agriculture, was invited at the uh, gathering of uh, EU agriculture ministers. Uh, they say that uh, he called on the EU country to scrap the regional trade restrictions. Uh, Zelensky, as well last week, uh, the, the, the president, Ukraine president, uh, called on scrapping this tar- these trade restrictions in mm-hmm. uh, the talk he had with uh, Ursula von der Leyen, too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which way, which way this issue lands you know with on the one hand the agri commissioner pushing for more uh for, for further ones and on the other hand i'm not sure how how this issue will will play out yeah also because uh last week uh, russia suspended the black crane initiative as well so at the moment is so um, they need, they, yeah so yeah they'll be pushing hard for it for them to have every option that they have to export basically um, yeah, and uh, it's, it's a bit like what uh, Ozdemir uh, said. Uh, it's a chefsache in German. It's 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 a thing of uh, you know that uh, it's it's very political and it's chef. Like, you know the, the bosses are dealing with that. Uh, von der Leyen, uh, Zelensky, and so on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is uh, it's it's also in line with the the concept of marginalization of agriculture stakeholders, uh, lawmakers. That we're discussing no, and it's not marginalization. It's just that uh, here we're talking about basically geopolitics. Yeah, when the big players get involved yeah. in the specific complications of agri, you know, the actual Indeed. the the details of it can get lost or get uh, you know have a lower priority. In terms of it can be seen within the geopolitical spectrum, you know, you can see that the support for, you know, in some in some eyes, support for Ukraine could take precedence over the particularities of the agri sector if the agri specialists are not, you know, their voices are not involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we're talking about food, but we're also talking about agricultural commodities. So uh, actually, this week would be quite interesting. Uh, let's see what could happen next. But it wasn't the only thing happening uh, mm-hmm. last week certainly wasn't we had a lot of drama over the eu's nature restoration law again because actually this has been a fairly ongoing uh, discussion for the last few weeks but there was a pretty it was kind of dramatic actually last week um so we're talking about the this nature restoration law which was proposed back in june 2022 so a year a year ago <laughs> talking about this for a year now which aims to reserve, uh, reverse the decline of europe's nature restore um the eu's uh, you know, degraded ecosystems. And basically, we've already seen a lot of pushback from the European Parliament on this. Um, we had the rejection in the Agri Committee of the law, of the proposal as it stands, also in the PESH Committee. Um, both of those already rejected the, the law. Um, but last week, we saw basically the largest group of the European Parliament, the European People's Party, walked out of negotiations um, ahead of a very crucial vote in the Environment Committee. Uh, so... Basically, the Environment Committee that they have the competence on this file, so you know they there's more to play for than in the Agri Committee and the Pesh Committee here. Um, the walkout itself is maybe not going to have a really tangible impact, but it is a very clear signal that the group um, wants to completely reject the proposal. Um, and so there was a, a lot of drama there, a real drama, 
Ms. Rosa de Rama in the agri, uh, in the uh, sorry, in the European Parliament. Um, so yeah, the, the the EPP kind of completely rejected this this proposal. Um, on the other hand, on the other side of things, we had um, Timmermans. Remember, Timmermans was in the Agri Committee a few weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, there's no such thing as rejecting this proposal and hoping the Commission will come with another one. That's what he said. He said, you know, we're not coming with another another proposal. We're not moving on this. Um, so that's that's the message from the the Commission side of things. At the same time, we had. Um, these protests outside the European Parliament on again on the nature restoration law uh, actually a protest and a counter protest so we had uh, EU farmers turning out on the streets outside the European Parliament against the proposed law and then there was a counter protest from the NGO so really everyone's getting involved here around this it's become a real uh, focal point of a lot of tensions and stress this uh, nature restoration law what a time to be agriculture journalist in Brussels eh? What a time, what a time. We'll be following the issue closely, so you know we can check out all of our coverage. Um, no, but that. it's true, Tash, that, for instance, uh, um, this is a bit of an anticipation of the EU elections. Like, again, mm-hmm. we're talking about policy, but still, uh, it's it's uh, even if you think about it, the groups involved are, are belonging to parties yeah. that are trying to some kind of overshadow Timmerman's legacy, because, uh, you know, the, the, particularly the right and far right uh, parties in Europe, they have changed their stance against the EU in the sense that it's more pragmatical now. It's more on the direction that the EU has taken uh, uh, over the past few years. And they're basically trying to, they're targeting uh, the Green Deal as a brand, Uh as to, a proxy, you mean? Yeah, as a, prop. and, a proxy. And Timmermans. They can't attack yeah. the EU, so they're attacking the EU's basically yeah. yeah. And cozying it, up. We see the centre right cozying up with the far with the far right. Basically, um, yes. It's it's some kind of um uh, a topic that could put together the right, uh, the mm, centre right, the PP. Unifying. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a bit like uh, Wojciechowski said the last week. Uh, this is my opinion. Uh, I express my view. Uh, I don't express the the views of the uh, agri-food team. Uh, but yeah, it's also, you know, some food for thought for uh, when it comes to big political discussion uh, mm. ahead of the elections. Well, you can definitely feel... The, the weight of the elections now on our coverage, I think, fully, you know, kind of for the for me, for the first time, I feel like you can really feel the impact of the upcoming elections on the policy coverage right now. Indeed. Well, after all this drama going on at the Agri-Ministers meeting this week, let's talk about something a little more grounded, literally. Let's talk about soils and soil health. As much as 70% of soils across the EU are not in good condition, according to the Commission. And the costs associated with soil degradation across the block exceed 50 billion euros every year. This is obviously not ideal, especially because uh, ecosystems and food production depend on healthy soils. And this is why back in 2021, the Commission tabled a soil strategy. And as part of this strategy, the EU executive is set to table a soil health law very soon which is said to give soils the same kind of protected status that water and air already have. And originally this proposal was set to come already this week, but now it's been pushed back to early July. And this is also still an an indicative date, so we shall see when it actually comes. 
And this delay earned the Commission quite a bit of criticism this week. Um, among other things, 27 European and national environmental and farming associations sent a letter in which they called on the Commission to present a proposal ASAP because they fear that otherwise it might not be adopted in time before the EU elections next year. And meanwhile, one part of the EU's push to restore soils is already underway. And this is the research mission that the Commission has launched on soil health in late 2021, which is called a Soil Deal for Europe. And this research mission, which is part of the EU's research support program Horizon Europe, was a topic at quite a number of events last week in the context of the EU agri-research conference that was going on. So at the sidelines of one of the events, I spoke with Kerstin Rosenau from the Commission's DG Agri, who's the head of the Soil Mission Secretariat, and Annette Schneegans, who's head of sector at the Soil Mission Secretariat. And we spoke about the research mission and how it fits together with the expected soil health law. So let's listen to what they had to say. So could you walk us through what the soil mission entails? Well, the soil mission is a very novel approach uh, to uh, address a global challenge uh, uh, with uh, the means that we have at hand at European level, first of all, with research and innovation that we need, but then also uh, really uh, trying to be active in all the other policy around to make sure that we pull all uh, the actions, uh, all the funding, all the ideas, the activities that we have to achieve one goal, that is to make European soils healthy again. Uh, so because European uh, soils are in a very bad state, uh, so there's really action needed. Uh, and uh, the mission has four building blocks which are important in this respect. The first of it is to uh, close research and innovation gaps, uh, also in terms of business models, socio-economic uh, research in this. Uh, the second one is to make sure that we improve soils on the ground with the practitioners. So therefore we have a, a system of living labs, so experimental local sites on the ground where the farmers will work with scientists and innovators to find solutions or the foresters or the urban communities, uh, lighthouses for demonstration, then monitoring, uh, so to make sure that we monitor progress and we know uh, the indicators for soil health. And last but not least, awareness raising, uh, which goes into teaching, uh, into uh, advising, uh, into making sure that everybody out there from teacher uh, in a professional school to universities uh, knows what's at hand. And um, could you explain a bit more, what can we picture if we talk about these living labs and what's kind of the, the idea behind them? Well, I think if you imagine a group of farmers, for example, that have a similar problem in a certain area and then try and work together, that is the first fundamental idea of a living lab. You have a joint or shared problem you want to tackle. You have probably different circumstances you work in. Either you have different soils, different value chains, different crops, but still you are in one area with this shared problem. And this is where you organize in the living lab. You work together with a scientist, if you're a farmer, with a value chain, and you try to solve this problem. And the interesting thing is that you, uh, when you um, come up with potential solutions, these solutions will be tested in different farms. They make may work in one place, but not so well in another one. And that kind of benchmarking is the interesting part. Why did it work here? Why didn't it work in another place? This is the added value of having 
a living lab composed of various farms, not just one, which would be an experimental farm in perfect conditions. It's a real life science. And you have a community that is sharing experiences, is exchanging on the, let's say, do's and don'ts, and in that way progresses bit a bit, bit a bit, yeah. Okay, and um, what's coming up as well is the use or the Commission's proposal for a soil health law. It's been postponed, but it's uh, coming up. How do you see that and the soil mission kind of working together? How is it, is it complementary to each other? Yeah, I would say the soil mission and the soil strategy and the soil health law are really complementary. Yeah? So they're one, they're part and parcel of the of the same uh, issue, the same idea. So soil is the only public good which is not yet protected by European legislation. And the soil mission provides the scientific basis and the testing ground uh, to make uh, the soil health law a reality. So for instance, the indicators uh, uh, that uh, the soil mission has set up will inspire the soil health law. We work together with the colleagues uh, day to day. And then of course, the soil mission will provide a fantastic testing ground for the soil health law and for the different areas in which we have to achieve progress to see what works and what doesn't that can fit uh, in the more longer term Uh, perspective in terms of targets uh, that the soil health law is sitting and we also work together because it's triangle with the European soil observatory by the joint uh, research uh, uh, center that is actually helping us with the mod monitoring uh, what we achieve on the ground. So that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euractive Agri-Food podcast was put together by Euractive's Agri-Food team. That's Gerardo Fortuna, Julia Dam, and Natasha Foote with the technical support of Evie Curie. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU, from Euractive's Agri-Food team. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.